Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another stupendous installment of Weekend Update. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. By the time you hear this, Kevin McCarthy will have already been elected Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, third in line to President of the United States. But as you know, it was not without a significant amount of drama. For an entire week and 14 votes, McCarthy failed to get the required 218 votes to become Speaker of the House. The media would have you believe, including some of the most conservative media outlets in the country, that it was a bunch of extremists that were holding up Kevin McCarthy's ascension to the Speaker's gavel. For example, listen to this brief exchange. That is Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, and she says negotiations with McCarthy have been ongoing since the summer, but that her demands are not being taken seriously. Now, meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy's camp is now reportedly trying to determine which of the 20 votes against him are because of a policy disagreement versus a personal vendetta. Here now with reaction is Congresswoman Boebert. Now, Congresswoman, let me, let me you tweet, uh, Town Hall quoted you today saying, the president, you, you said complimentary things about President Trump, needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes. It's time to withdraw. Let me turn the tables, Congresswoman. Kevin McCarthy has 202, three votes. Your side has 20. So if I'm going to use your words and your methodology and your math, uh, isn't it time for you to pack it in and your side to pack it in, considering he has over 200 and you have 20? Sean, I understand the frustration, I promise you. But, I'm not um, frustrated. He does you didn't not answer my vote. question. Hold on right there. This is Lauren Boebert from Colorado, a very conservative member of Congress. She's been on Sean Hannity's program several times before. She even spoke at Trump's rally in Casper this past summer. Hannity does not even give her a chance to answer before jumping back in. This is a tactic that is not used by conservatives. We usually hear it from those on the left because they don't want to hear what somebody else has to say. They just want to talk over everybody else and push their point, regardless of what the other person has to argue. Here's a little bit more of that soundbite just to prove the point. We are hearing, we I'm are not, hearing I'm from many frustrated. people who are still voting with Kevin McCarthy You're who not are very supportive my question. of what we're doing and they're cheering us on. So there are more for us than are against us and they are waiting for Kevin to cave. Okay. Um, you know, the American people are certainly frustrated by... I'm Go frustrated ahead. by you not answering a direct question. There you have it. He was not going to let her articulate a point. He was not going to allow her to explain why it is that those 20 people were objecting to Kevin McCarthy through... Well, at the time, it was seven or eight votes. Since then, they went to 15, and now Kevin McCarthy is now the Speaker of the House. This is what's called a republic. We have stopgap measures in place to protect the rights of the minority, even if that minority is in the same party, just like it was yesterday. And need I remind you how the Wyoming legislature looks? We do have two parties existing within the same party. There are the liberal members of the Republican Party 
that can't get elected as Democrats, and so they hide out in the Republican Party, the Redcoats. And then there are the actual Republicans, the conservatives. And so there are measures in place to protect the rights of those who happen to have a different voice, even if it's in the same party. And that is exactly what you were watching this entire week with those 20 people objecting to Kevin McCarthy being the Speaker of the House. They did that because there were procedural measures that needed to be put back in place so that the House of Representatives functions appropriately, like it was meant to. It has been years, years, since anything was really debated on the floor of the House. It's been around 10 years since an individual member of the House of Representatives could offer an amendment to a bill from the floor of the House without ha it having to go through leadership first. The last time a real budget was passed by the House of Representatives, Bill Clinton was president. Bill Clinton! The last time that the House of Representatives functioned properly, and Congress for that matter, and that is to say, pass a budget, stick to it, and actually do what adults do, was over 20 years ago. And so, to say what we witnessed this past week was a long time coming is an understatement of gargantuan proportions. So yes, the entire week was incredibly frustrating for most of us. The media wasn't telling us the truth, as usual, including people like Sean Hannity and others. But now, hopefully, maybe, we can actually get something accomplished in Congress. To explain this whole thing, I caught up with Harriet Hageman yesterday, and I'll play that discussion for you in just a second. But first, some completely outrageous self-aggrandizement. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden and you have no clue what's really happening, well, except of course when you may get pudding next. Then, you can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself. Gentlemen, if there's one thing that irritates your significant other more than anything else, it's cold feet. Double entendre intended. While I can't solve both problems, I can definitely fix one of them. All you do is order some socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. Go to their website thebuffalowoolco.com. Get some socks, put them on, and keep your feet nice and toasty warm. Even though I really can't solve the other cold feet problem for you, I can keep you from sleeping on the couch. So allow me to explain how this happens for you. Now, the missus is forced to park her car outside because her garage is packed full with all of your stuff. Yes, the motorcycle, the four-wheeler, numerous and sundry boxes filled with things that you haven't looked at in nearly five years. And so, when it snows, she has to park her car out front and get out of her car and tromp through all of the slush just to get inside. Trust me, my friends, 
It's irritating to her, even if she doesn't explain it to you. And so, you are the object and cause of her frustration, and hence, you end up sleeping on the couch. To solve this vicious cycle of cold and sleepless nights, you need to call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So just tell them what the problem is. You have too much stuff that's filling up your wife's garage, and they'll handle all the details. So again, give them a call. 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. Stay tuned to Cowboy State Politics for further lessons in chivalry. It's Saturday morning, my friends, and you know what I always think about every Saturday. Well, pretty much every day of the week, but particularly on Saturday, wings from the Wing It food truck. They make the most amazing wings in the state of Wyoming. And to figure out where that truck is going to be, go to CowboyStatePolitics.com and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find out far more information about the Winged Food Truck. Trust me, you want to plan your whole week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Winged Food Truck. And now, back to our program. As this whole week's drama unfolded, self-proclaimed conservatives tried to downplay exactly what those 20 individuals that kept voting against Kevin McCarthy were up to. As we discussed before the break, their mission was simple, get the House of Representatives back to regular order. But there was a second mission, even if it was unarticulated. It was to expose the people who claimed to be conservatives. Let me give you an example. Dan Crenshaw. When he was first elected, he portrayed himself as the rock-solid conservative, a phrase that we in Wyoming have heard over and over and over from the Redcoats in Cheyenne. These are the type of people that want business as usual, that stood firmly opposed to any of the reforms that those 20 members of the Freedom Caucus were trying to enact. Allow me to demonstrate. Here's Dan Crenshaw, about middle of the week when all of this drama was unfolding. This one's pretty amazing. This handful of members is um, uh, very clearly looking for notoriety over principle. And that's what it is. And anyone who suggests differently is um, in, in some kind of make-believe fantasy reality. It's not, it's not true. They lost those debates. That should have been the end of it because that's how a team works, right? You can hash this stuff out, figure it out, and then you move on. But if you're a narcissist, if you're a narcissist and you believe that your opinion is so much more important than everyone else's, then you'll keep going. And you'll threaten to tear down the team for for the benefit of the Democrats just because of your own sense of self-importance. That's exactly what's happening here. We will not vote for anyone else but McCarthy. These people think they're stubborn or more stubborn. And they think they're not going to get the communities they want. Well, obviously they won't. But it's going to be so much worse than that. You know, they are enemies now. They have, they have made it clear that they prefer a Democrat agenda than a Republican one. Yeah, it's going to be so much worse than that. They are enemies, narcissists that are only looking for their own notoriety. So if you don't agree with Dan Crenshaw and you're tired of business as usual, well, then you're an enemy and you're a narcissist and you're trying to tear down the system. 
which ironically is the exact opposite of what you're trying to do. But you see how this whole thing is playing out. There are establishment people, redcoats, that don't want any changes to the current system because it benefits them. And that is exactly what Americans are tired of. And I don't think that I have to point it out, but I will again. But that is the very thing that we voted against in this past election. Let me give you a Wyoming example. During the primary, all of the liberal incumbents in the legislature that were defeated, they claimed, they shouted from the rooftops that they are the real conservatives and you shouldn't vote for anybody who's trying to get them out of office. Case in point, Shelley Duncan former member of the Wyoming House of Representatives. She claimed that she was the real conservative and that everybody else that was opposing her, well, they were just lying to Wyoming citizens. Interestingly enough, Shelley Duncan's new job is she is the lobbyist for Wyoming Equality. You know, one of the most liberal lobbying groups in the state of Wyoming. Ah, yeah, yeah. Pro-abortion, pro-pornographic books in school libraries. Pro-anti-free speech bills? Oh, I mean pro-hate crime bills? Yeah, that lobbying group. <laughs> you should really go look at my Twitter feed. It's pretty funny. Anyhow, just like Dan Crenshaw, Shelley Duncan claims to be a conservative. Too bad that she was a Democrat before she was elected to the House of Representatives. She changed her party affiliation so that she could get elected. But my point here is that there are folks that don't want the status quo to change because it benefits them, and they really don't believe in conservative values. But the only way that they could get elected in their respective districts was to run as a Republican. And that is exactly what happened with a lot of these folks that are were opposed to the 20 members of the Freedom Caucus um, voting against Kevin McCarthy 15 times in a row. Well, 14 or whatever it ended up being. So to explain this whole mess to us, I caught up with Harriet Hageman, the now United States representative from Wyoming. Here's our discussion. Harriet Hageman is joining me from Washington, D.C. to discuss how things are going in the House of Representatives. So first question, Harriet, how are things going? <laughs> David, thank you for having me. What I will say is it has been very, very interesting. Um, I, I was unaware of all of the processes and procedures that we would be dealing with, but I'm learning them awfully quickly. Uh, I'm going to say, I think things are going well. And the reason I say that is from talking to folks here, we've had more debate and discussion in the last four days than they've had in the last two years. And that is the problem. And uh, I, I've received phone calls and texts and emails from people saying, why in the world are you supporting Kevin McCarthy? Why would you vote for him? And I'll tell you very simply, I am I, I was trying to, I have been trying to give the space and the time to the people who need to negotiate changes to the rules. The folks who have been objecting to Kevin McCarthy have repeatedly stated it's not personal. It's about changing how things are done back here. And so they have continued over the last four days to negotiate changes both substantively and procedurally to the rules that operate or that govern this place. I think that that has been an extremely healthy discussion, an extremely helpful discussion. And I have been voting for Kevin McCarthy because the alternative is we, we've had three choices throughout this process, that it was either going to be Kevin McCarthy, Hakeem Jeffries, or a coalition speaker that would be picked by the most liberal members of, of, of the uh, on the Republican side and the Democrats. 
And though the last two scenarios were absolutely unacceptable to me. So I was voting because I felt that if we were all voting for Kevin McCarthy, keeping these discussions alive, making sure that we had the right people in the room, we were eventually going to get to where we needed to be. And that happened today. When do you foresee a vote installing Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House? I mean, are we at that point yet or are we still making progress? 10 o'clock tonight. So we we adjourned at 3.15, 3.30 today, came back to the office, getting some things done here, doing some interviews. And then uh, we will go back into session at 10 o'clock tonight. It is my understanding that at that point, he will have the votes that he needs. Uh, we may very well uh, adjourn and then come back into session tomorrow to approve the rules. That was some of the discussion today so that we can hit the ground running on Monday. So I don't know if that's the way it's going to happen. But the fact is, the key to all of this, in my opinion, from what I know, from what I've read, from what I've watched and what I've been able to discern, the key really has been changing the rules so that it is not the leadership that controls everything back here, but it is the individual members. So now we're going to be able to make amendments from the floor. It has been years. It's been since Paul Ryan and John Boehner that they've been able to do amendments from the floor. Actually, John Boehner, I think that he's the one that did away with that rule. And then uh, uh, Paul Ryan also was uh, let or uh, ruled with a pretty heavy hand and Nancy Pelosi followed in that. And so we're going to be able to do that. Another important thing we had to do with the finances of this country. And that is we are all tired of the omnibus spending bills. Yes. And so we have put some frameworks around what has to happen so that we are not going to be getting omnibus spending bills. We're going to go through regular order, which means we will be issued. We will be coming up with 12 different budgets that then will go to the Senate and we're going to force them to be making decisions. We're going to do it timely. We're going to get back to what the budgeting process is supposed to be here in Washington, D.C. And I would say that that was the biggest holdout issue for these folks is to make sure that there was no way to circumvent that. Uh, I'm not promising. I can't promise there will never be an omnibus spending bill. I will do everything in my power to stop it. But uh, we have they put some guardrails in place to try to prevent that from happening. So, again, I think that they've been able to make some really important progress on the rules by holding out. I will tell you that I never pressured any one of them to cave. I just really felt that by voting for Kevin McCarthy, I was giving them the space and time they needed to negotiate some changes to the rules. I talked to them about that. Uh, they understood what I was doing. I talked to Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Thomas Massey. I had a great visit with Thomas Massey. I really like him. Yeah, I do too. And he also supported Kevin McCarthy. And, and I asked him why and what he was doing. And we kind of had the same approach. And he was involved with the negotiations on the on the budgeting and financial side of this. That's another reason why I had some real confidence in what they came up with, because we had some great people on our side negotiating uh, to make sure that we got the right things in place. I have a lot of respect for Chip Roy, Scott Perry. Uh, I had numerous conversations with Jim Jordan about strategy and where we were. And uh, I think that all of us are very, uh, are, are pretty happy with, with where we ended up. Excellent. Well, I, I know that there's been a lot of criticism of your support of Kevin McCarthy here in Wyoming. And, you know, I've, I tried to explain it, but it's so much better coming from you. And I, I don't think that people really understood that a lot of the objections to voting for Kevin McCarthy was more about process than it was 
about him, you know, then it was personal, as you mentioned. And a lot of people don't realize that things do not work the same in Washington, D.C. as they do at our state capitol in Cheyenne, or at least they haven't for a very long time. I don't think they work the same in Washington, D.C. as they work on Jupiter, Mars, (laughs) Venus. Uh, it's I'm sorry that was rather flippant and I'm I'm tired so and I don't mean to be but uh there was something else that was very important to me and I want people to understand this I was adamantly opposed to Jim Jordan and I talked to Jim about that and I will tell you why I love Jim Jordan I think he's fabulous I think that he is an incredible leader on the Judiciary Committee. As you and I have talked about, I want to be on Judiciary and Natural Resources. It is my opinion that the next two two years, what happens in two years politically and electorally is dependent upon the success of the Judiciary uh, Committee uncovering and exposing what's been going on back here. It is the Judiciary Committee and the Oversight Committee are the only two committees that are going to hold people accountable. And by that, I mean looking at what the Bidens have done, looking at the uh, the COVID-19 and where it came from, holding Fauci accountable for for his funding of the Wuhan uh, lab in China, Uh, the FBI, and we're we're actually even looking at a subcommittee on holding uh, or on investigating the weaponization of our government against the people. Uh, I'm hoping that I can be on those committees. And when people started pushing Jim Jordan, I actually did go and say, I think that that would be a horrific mistake because his his what where his skill skill set lies and where we need him is to be the chair of the uh, of the judiciary committee and so i talked to quite a few people and i think i really opened some eyes on that saying i love him i think he'd be a fabulous speaker but for the next two years he's critically important to the success of the judiciary committee and holding this government accountable well you're absolutely right if we don't get a handle on what's happening at the fbi And, you know, I mean, there's so many investigations that he said he's going to do. But if we don't get a handle on all of them, in a lot of ways, we're kind of sunk. I agree. And that's what I was saying to people was you can put up other people and they they pulled back on him and put up Byron Donaldson, Donalds, whom I love as well. I I think he's fantastic out of Florida. Uh, But really what this did, David, and I know that maybe it looked messy on TV and I know that a lot of the pundits were out there rending their clothing and pulling their hair and and, you know, wanting to throw themselves off off a four story building. There wasn't any reason to do that. This is a republic. We have the right to talk. We have the right to debate. And who really opened my eyes was Chip Roy when he said, this is the first time we've been allowed to debate on this floor in years. Isn't that, that amazing? That was incredibly touching and emotional and passionate moment listening to him saying we need to debate the budget we need to debate uh, what's going on in our schools and, and listening to him and, and I agreed with everything he said so it was it, it really was amazing to listen to these speeches and have people stand up and give the passionate remarks that they did whether I agreed with some or not they they love our country and uh, they needed to have the time the space and the ability to negotiate what they did I'm proud of everybody involved and i'm i'm looking forward to working with them well i think that the last few days have absolutely been necessary you know i mean i know you're right that it did look really messy on tv and lord knows if you look at my inbox there were some people that really thought really disagreed with what was going on but all of it was necessary that you know this this isn't un 
unprecedented. This situation has happened before in our republic, and I think that it's about darn time that we, like you said, that we start debating these things, that we have discussions, that we find out what it is that that uh, people are passionate about. I think it's incredibly important. It was, and it, I, my inbox and my uh, texts and my phone calls, sometimes I know that, that people got, but if I had a chance to talk to people and I explained to them why I was doing what I was doing, I think 100% across the board, they said, we, we agree with you. Um, we didn't realize that these were the kinds of things that were going on behind the scenes. So, again, I think that that's important for just communication in the future. I'm going to be back in Wyoming a week from Monday, and I will be there for a week before we go back into session. And I'm planning on going to the legislature. I'm planning on having a couple of town halls. I'm planning on having meetings in Cheyenne. So I am going to be getting around in that five to six day period. I'm going to probably be hitting another three, four or five counties and have an opportunity to explain to people one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. But it's been an awful long time since people in Wyoming who've had a representative to come and talk to them. And I'm planning on coming and talking. And I know some people will come to those meetings and they will disagree with me. But I think if I give them an opportunity to talk about what Jim Jordan and I talked about, what Thomas Massey and I talked about, what uh, uh, Ronnie Jackson and I talked about, Jim Banks, Debbie Lesko, the conservatives were supporting Kevin McCarthy, and there was a reason and a very legitimate reason. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to visit with me, Harriet, and I know that you've had a long day and that you're going to have a long evening, so I won't take any more of your time. Again, thanks for filling us in, and I'll, I'll make sure that everybody gets a chance to hear what you had to say. I appreciate it, David. We'll hopefully see you when I'm there uh, back in Wyoming. I'll be in Cheyenne. I, I'm looking forward to it. And I'll see you then. Bye, David. That'll do it for today's installment of Weekend Update. Now I know I've been telling you I've got this interview with Tamara Trujillo that you haven't heard yet, and I promise I'll play it on Monday. There's also a couple of stories going around that we absolutely have to talk about. Interestingly enough, there is a very similar situation that is unfolding in the Wyoming State Legislature, one like we just witnessed in the U.S. House of Representatives. The Redcoats are trying to take advantage of the rules in a crazy power grab. So we'll do that and the interview on Morning Reload. So have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday. From the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.